thank you for listening. This is Brett Trainer, your host for Hardwired for Growth, a podcast where we strive to help entrepreneurs and business owners not only grow their businesses, but scale them. We do this by having conversations with industry experts and the entrepreneurs who have successfully scaled their own businesses. Statistics show that only 5% of all startups ever achieve annual revenue of a million dollars, and less than 1% reach 10 million. Our mission is to help more than double the number of companies that reach each of those thresholds. In this episode, I welcome Katie Ryan. Katie is the founder and CEO of A Positive Adventure, a learning and development consultancy business based in the Bay Area. Katie is a highly respected leader in the industry. She's also an author and keynote speaker. In this episode, Katie and I discuss the importance of implementing a learning and development framework as your company grows, why training is not a four-letter word, And she also shared with us that 30% of employees voluntarily leave within the first six months of employment and how to prevent that. Now, on to the intro. Welcome back. You're listening to Hardwired for Growth, a podcast dedicated to helping entrepreneurs and business owners who are looking for sustainable and scalable growth strategies, led by your host, Brett Trainer. Hi, Katie. Welcome to the show. Brett, thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. Are you still joining us from San Francisco? Yes, I am in the Bay Area today. We've got lots of fog today, but the sun is trying to trying to sneak its way in. Exactly. All right. Well, but to get started, Katie, what I like to do is instead of asking you for your job description or job title, you know, I'd, I'd like you to describe for the audience. You know, if you were at a cocktail party, how would you describe to people what you do? Great question. So I am the founder and CEO of a company called A Positive Adventure. And what we are is a learning and development consultancy. We're based in the Bay Area. And we focus on working with startups to help them with any learning needs that they may have. So training needs, learning needs. And usually what we see is when startups get funding, they start to hire and then they also start to promote from within. So you have lots of new hires and a lot of times lots of new managers that are coming up or into your organization. And it's really important that you put a framework in place to protect the investment in the employees and ensure that they have a good new hire experience and that you are training them based on what they need to do and and protecting your overall company culture. Wow, that's a good job description. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, I, and it makes sense. And that's one of the reasons you, I really wanted to have you on the show because, you know, it's easy. I don't want to say it's easy, but a lot of the focus when companies are starting to scale or grow is to look at, do I need more marketing, spend more money on email marketing, or do I need another salesperson where if you don't put the foundation, I think as you described for, for L&D in place, it's going to make it much more difficult or at least less efficient, right? In order to, to grow the business. And, and I'm fairly certain this is your quote. So if it's not, you can use it. But you know, training is not a four-letter word. And I, I actually love that because I think when people hear training, the first thing they think about, oh, it's sales training or it's some process training. And that's why I'm really glad you started with the definition more around learning and development and making sure you know, that company has that type of culture you know, as they start to grow. Yes, certainly. And training should not be a four-letter word. That is on our website. We have t-shirts made that say that. And if you think about it, you know, as a society, we live in a bullet-pointed, slack-communicating, emoji-using, multi-screen-viewing, Giphy-injected 
ever distracted society. You know, people are just buzzing around all the time. And when you think about training and learning, we have to map to the needs of the ever distracted learner and make sure they're prepared to learn. And so we can get into some specifics about that later. But when you think about your organization and a new hire training or a foundation to really build on, it's really important that you have a solid first impression with those employees. Yeah, I think that that's great because one of the things I was thinking about as these companies start to scale, right, you may not have a salesperson yet, but what's critical is, you know, getting the, you know, the value drivers correct for the company, or at least the messaging and positioning, right? So as you bring new people on, maybe that's the first form of, of training or learning that that's kind of developed for the process. So, so maybe let me reframe that for you a little bit. So as we're, we're talking to the companies, I think intuitively understand that there's value to do this, but maybe you could, you know, unpack it a little bit more and help us understand why the companies that do spend the time to, to build out this, I don't know, is it infrastructure, the right word or the culture of learning and development versus the companies that don't. Yeah. So I see this a lot. So when companies get funding, like I mentioned, they bring in a lot of people and what happens a lot of times is, you know, statistics show that 30% of employees voluntarily leave an organization in the first six months. And that is a very scary statistic, especially as a CEO, because you're looking at it and you're thinking six months, I consider them to be almost fully ramped at six months and now they're leaving. But here's the thing. There's three main reasons we see that they're leaving. One is a less than ideal onboarding experience. Two is they don't know what's expected of them to do a good job. And lastly is they have a less than ideal manager. We all know that statistic from Gallup that's like people leave their manager, not their job. So here's the deal. If we look at all three of these things, they're scary, but the good news is that we can isolate and put programs and infrastructure in place to solve for it. And learning and development and training can support all three of those things. So let's just look at new hire training and onboarding to start. So that's like the solid foundation. That's your first impression when people come into the organization. It lets them know who you are, why you're in business why it's important that they're there, where they fit into the bigger picture. What's the vision of the business? You know, it's kind of a pep rally for your company, for the employee. And so that they can do what I just did. They can go to a cocktail party and tell people, hey, this is where I'm working now and be really excited about it. And what I see a lot of times is when we come in, and we start talking to these founders and these companies, they don't even always know the answers to the questions that we need to demystify in training. And so it forces the organization to put some thought around who are we, where do we want to go, how do we want to incorporate values and in what we stand for so that we can build our culture in a very thoughtful and mindful way. Yeah, no, I think that makes that makes a lot of sense. And we had uh, a guest on... Uh, previous show talking about the the culture and the value of culture. And I think you just completely reinforced because you can't get people excited about your company and what you stand for and what you do. You're going to have a hard time, you know, attracting potential employees. And I just want to go back to the one thing you said about the, the 30%. And, you know, I bounce back and forth between the, the corporate world and, you know, large multinational companies and startups. And, you know, if 30% turnover 
can be really painful at the enterprise level, but I can't imagine it at, you know, a company that's just starting to grow that needs everything working in sync in order to, to, to start to scale the business. So I think I didn't realize that, that, that number was that high. Yeah. And there's just, there's so many options out there right now. And when you look at why employees decide to go to an organization, especially when we look at, you know, the millennials, what, what, what we see is that they're looking to work at an organization where there is potential for growth, that they are going to grow as an individual and as a professional. And so when you think about how training and learning development maps to that, it's not, people are not just joining organizations because you have a ping pong table and kitchen snacks and good they're, they're joining because they want to be a part of something bigger and they want to grow as a result of working for that business. And so that's where learning and development really does come in. And in the recruiting process, it can be great to explain to a potential new hire, this is what you're going to do starting right out of the gate. We're going to support you and make sure that you go through this 101 style program to demystify who we are and what we do. Yeah, that, that's great. I think too, you know, you, you mentioned the millennials and heck, even I want to work with companies that are, you know, have a, a, a purpose and understand what their values are and, and driving against it. You know, I think in previous lives or earlier in my career, I should say, because I do think it has evolved, right? You, you took a job. Is there room for me to advance and get a raise and a promotion? And really the work, I viewed the work life as just a way to get ahead in your career. But as I've gotten older and spent more time time, you know, with, with startups, I've realized, you know, there's much more value in the people and the companies that you work with versus the, uh, the job ascension, if you will. And I get a sense from the, the next couple generations, even, you know, a couple older than that, the millennials are still starting to search for those type of opportunities as well. Definitely. Yeah, you nailed it. I mean, we talk about millennials, but I recently went to a conference where one of the topics was, why are we still talking about millennials? <laughs> right. It basically just shows that every generation is pretty much, every generation in front of the current generation is annoyed by them. That just always is the case. And that the way that people learn and what generations want is actually not that different. <laughs> so, no, I, I think you're right. And with the unemployment rate so low, that's why, again, we looked at the value of, you know, the conversation today. It's, you know, gives yourself a competitive edge. You know, I go back to where you talked about the onboarding and expectations, right? To onboard somebody, you have to have a clear idea of what their job is going to be, right? And really define. So maybe you could go in a little bit deeper into each of those three and highlight some of the key areas that, you know, folks should be thinking about as they're starting to build out this, their L&D infrastructure, if you will. Sure. So I always tell my clients, you know, when you work with us at a positive adventure, if you need us forever, you've we haven't done our job, you know? So the key here is that you need a solid foundation of your program so that you can build up and off of. And a lot of times people think of trainings as presentations and they think, oh, we just need to put together a presentation. We'll just use the same thing that we use to pitch investors to train employees. And that is not the same thing. So an analogy that I would encourage people to think about is think about the chair you're sitting in right now and and think about the way it hits your back and where your arms are. You probably could not design that chair because you don't understand the ergonomics of the human body. And when we think about training and learning and development, 
it's the same type of thing. We can't just put some slides together, throw a couple stock images up there and, and ship it. We need to think about the human brain. We need to design learning programs for the way that people retain information and shape behavior. And that has to do with what you do before training, during training, and then arguably the most important is after training. And so when you think about how that relates to an organization, you need to have a new hire program. You need to have something like a 101 level program that people can come in, understand who you are, what you do, and that needs to be a training framework. And then you build off and out of that. So Every employee can go through a general 101 and then you branch off into like a 102. So what do you do with that in sales? What do you do with that in marketing? What do you do with that in engineering? Those are all probably very different answers. And so while 101 is that foundation, then you can build up and out into now that you have that foundation salesperson, how do you set appointments? What are the objections you're going to come across? How do you overcome those? And what I see with companies is usually the board is looking for sales. So uh, that's where usually they start hiring the most people is in sales. And so once you have that 101, usually the first 102 you pivot towards is sales. And then you build up and off of that. Yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense. And I think too, the other thing I see a lot of in you know having conversations with with entrepreneurs is they leverage a, a partner network, right? Where you know Teresa and a our call was, you know, she's very strong at the delivery, but does not understand marketing. So, you know, if she's looking to expand or bring on a partner, it'd be very, to your point. So this is my long-winded answer is it's not just for the employees. You should be thinking about this for, for potential partners that you're using as well, right? Certainly. Yeah. And I think a lot of times it starts with employees and then you can build up and into partnerships, but I don't think those two things need to be mutually exclusive. Normally we see it where, you know, if it's like a direct organization versus like the indirect channel sales partner network, whatever that might look like, that when you bring in partners, you need to be able to explain what you do and how you do it as well so that they can in turn explain it. So usually that you take a training program and like 80% the 80-20 rule, right? 80% will probably remain the same and then you'll tailor 20% to specifically that partnership or that organization. Okay. That makes sense. And then just on um, your your last topic on leadership team, right? Because I think as as you and I have both experienced, if, if the, the leadership team's not strong or if you start to bring in a, a single, and I say leader, more like a sales leader or somebody to oversee operations, that that is probably the most critical higher end training that you have within a growing organization. Would you agree with that or disagree? Oh, leadership training is so important, Brett. And a lot of people just don't think that they need to offer it within their company because they're like, our managers are seasoned or no, it's fine. We've got this like operating manual that people look at, but it's so important that leaders within the organization are operating in a similar fashion and that there's not some leaders that are hosting one-on-ones and then others that don't. You know, there needs to be a certain level of consistency throughout the org, especially with that scary Gallup statistic that we've all seen that's that, you know, 50, over 50% of people leave their jobs because they're manager. And then companies aren't investing in their leaders. And 
What I see a lot of times with companies that are early on is that they are hiring or they're promoting from within to management. And so that's a whole other world, right? So there's the whole from buddy to boss component, I call it, where you used to, we used to go to happy hours together and you slept on my couch and now I have to have performance conversations with you. That's an interesting shift to make. And I'm a first time leader now and I don't know what I'm doing. And so there's like different levels of management training, but I think it's incredibly important depending on what the need is that you have a program around it. I see some organizations say, you know, we're just going to do a training and training events, spoiler alert, don't work. <laughs> I wish did. That'd be great. That'd be so easy. But that's not, that's not how people learn. What we do after training is more important than what we do during training. And so wrapping a program around leadership development is really important. Not just doing a, you know, let's do a coaching conversations training and see you later. Like we need to wrap a program around it. What do they do with that now? How do we pair them up with one another to practice that and then meet intermittently between the next event that we have, the next training event that we have. So I think wrapping it around a program is really important and really driving that behavior through what you do after the actual in-person training. Oh, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I used to work for a company that had probably state-of-the-art training, right? It was um, delivered, got everybody excited, everybody's on board, everybody's aligned, but there was no systematic follow-up to it that within, and this was sales-specific, within you know three months, most people were back to their old habits. Some that had some success continued with it. Then there was turnover and the new group that was coming in didn't receive the benefit of that training. And then within 12 months, they lost almost all momentum of what should have been, you know, a, a game changing training. Yeah. And I always say this to people, I'm like, I feel like I would be committing training malpractice. <laughs> I just came in and was like, cool, here's a one hour workshop. See you later. Like that is not the way people learn. And it doesn't matter how much you'd be willing to pay me. I probably wouldn't take that job. Yeah. I would say, this isn't going to work. We have to talk about the bigger picture here and how this wraps into what you're already doing, your culture, your values. And it's, it's about way more than just checking a box. Yeah, my two of my biggest um, gripes, if you will, is sales and marketing alignment, right? 20 years later, we're still having this discussion in 70% of the companies. And second is the, the ongoing training aspect of it. And, you know, we just follow the old principles. I feel like it's from the 70s. It says, here's your training. Here's your manual. Maybe they created some cool videos. Now you're trained. I expect you to do your job every day. And I think to your earlier quote, which I think should have been a t-shirt and there's no way I can repeat <laughs> the distracted world that we live in. It's got to be broken up in a difference. So that being said, I don't want this to be a, a scary and daunting task for folks as they start to consider building this into their business. So any recommendation, I mean, I know you did the recommendations on the areas to focus on, but any recommendations on, on how to get started down this path? Yeah. So I think a good thing to think about is just what is, what do people need to know when they first join your organization? So who you are, what you do, how they fit in, what are your values? How can they map their values to your values? You know, just think about the introduction, you know, what is that going to look like? Because once you 
like the new hire training program is essentially the first week or weeks when they start. It's when you prove to them that you are who you said you were going to be in the recruiting process. And they might've had other offers on the table. They might've had other things. And so they come in and they're a little bit like, did I make the right decision? And it's your time to make them feel really safe and feel really excited. Like, ugh. I wholeheartedly made the right decision in coming here. And that's why it's incredibly important to be intentional in what you're putting in that program. And so thinking about the outline of what that looks like, you can repurpose a lot of stuff you have, and then you can always work with us. So a positive venture does offer services to help look at it. But if you're not ready for that yet, I would encourage you to use some internal resources to try to organize it the best you can, and then think about what you'll do next up and out of that. No, that's, that's great. And I think too, right. It's not, um, it's not a static, I don't want to call it a document, a process, right. You don't create it once and, you know, put it on the shelf and go is the business is going to change. You may pivot in a different direction, the value drive, whatever it could be, could go. So you got to think of this as an ongoing living, breathing thing versus a one-time development, right? Yes, that's a really great point. And I think you can think about when you first start looking at the agenda and sort of what you're including is to first think about what are the overall goals of the program? This is just learning learning and development 101 kind of. Is first of all, think about what are the overall goals of the program? So when you think about goals, goals can be a little bit high level for learning goals. It can be like, the, you can use words like understand. By the end of this training, employees will be able to blank, 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 blank. Usually there's three to five. And then per agenda item in the agenda. So the, the goals are just in general, then you create an agenda. And then the agenda items should all somehow roll up to a bigger goal. and then in each agenda item, which is like what we call a module in learning. Let's say it's um, the customer journey. I'm just going to make one up. So let's talk about the customer journey. Okay. At the end of that module, what will the learners be able to do? And this is a more actionable thing about like resume action words. So like by the end of this, the employee, the new hires will be able to identify each department and what they do. That we can, we can check for understanding. Are they able to identify each department and what they do? So be thinking about what the goals are, but then actionable steps and goals that are a little bit more specific per each module that you build out. Yeah, I like that. That's, that's good. Yeah, because if you're not measuring or tracking or, or looking at an outcome, then don't do it. <laughs> right. Yeah. The time is valuable, right? So if you're going to do it, take the time, do it right. No, I think, I think this has been very uh, beneficial, Katie. Thank you for taking the time to break this down. But I would like to end with our, our closing time segment where I'm going to ask you three, I don't want to call them rapid fire. That wouldn't be fair. We can uh, play off it a little bit um, and then we'll wrap it up. How's that sound? That sounds great. Bring it on. Right. First one is, what do you like to do when you're not helping businesses grow? I think I know the answer to this based on your Instagram, but I'll let you answer that. I like to be outside more than inside. So I'm a climber. Um, I like to be on a rock wall as much as I can be. And then I'm kind of like a serial hobbyist. So I make kombucha. I play the ukulele, stuff like that. So I just like to do things that make me and allow me to be outside as much as I can. 
That's awesome. What's next on the hobby list? Anything identified? I am learning right now to play the ukulele and then okay. <laughs> learning Spanish. So both of those is sort of like learning a new language. Um, and I thought my hands were tough from climbing until I started playing the ukulele. And <laughs> they are not tough at all. They are weak. <laughs> oh, that's awesome though. Good for you. All right. This one is, can be in any realm, any area, but what, what is one thing you would highly recommend? Ooh, I say, okay, two things. One is celebrate small wins along the way. So whether that be on personal development, like if you're doing some self-work, like don't be so hard on yourself. And if it's in the professional realm, don't forget that you're working really hard and the, the goal line continues to move because that's the kind of people we are. But before you keep going, don't forget to take a minute and celebrate everything that you've done so far. And because you're probably doing a lot more than you even give yourself time to realize and celebrate. Yeah, I think that's that's great because the one I kind of live by, or if I was asked this, is enjoy the process, which I think is what you're saying, right? You're going to go. It's if you're if you're running towards the goal, you're going to be disappointed. I think when you get there, if you don't take the time during the, if you don't enjoy the process, you probably shouldn't be chasing that goal. That's such a good point. It's like, uh, what is that quote? It's life's about the journey, not the destination. It's the same kind of vibe, you know? That is so true. I wish I would have discovered that about 20 years earlier, but that's okay. Better late than never, right? I've got one more I have to throw in there. Okay. And it's don't forget to unplug and come back better. So I think as founders and as entrepreneurs, we sometimes work around the clock turn off your email, go to a place where you can't get service and unplug, be out in nature. You will come back better and you'll probably have some really great ideas because you've created space for quiet. No, oh, that's awesome. And completely agree. It's harder. I'm getting better at it, but it's still, it's hard, <laughs> but totally worth it when you, when you do it. And, and last call, what is your drink or beverage of choice? Ooh. Um, well, I like to make, I, I've, been getting into sort of like making my own drinks. So I really like to, I like Palomas, which is like a tequila drink with grapefruit, but I like to do kombucha, like with a splash of kombucha in the Paloma. It's really good. You're going to have to spell those for me for the show notes. (laughs) It sounds good. And and by far, so far, the most interesting of the answers that we've had for the the last call. So um, fantastic. Definitely appreciate you sharing some of that. Is there anything else that you want to discuss before we wrap up? I don't think so. Just thanks so much for having me. And if anyone out there listening needs help with learning and development and training, just let me know. We're happy to talk and see if it could be a good fit. Also, and that's really my last one is there, if there are people interested, where's the best place to reach you? Sure. So we have a website, apositiveadventure.com and there's a contact us form in there. So just go in there and, see what the website is and all the services we offer and reach out and we'll set up a time to see if it could be a good fit. Awesome. Thanks again, Katie. Have a great rest of your day. Thanks, Brett. You've been listening to Hardwired for Growth. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player or visit brettrainer.com. That's B-R-E-T-T followed by his last name, T-R-A-I-N-O-R.com. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.